Hello and welcome to another episode of the Giants of the Faith podcast. My name is Robert Daniels and I'm the host of this show. This is the podcast where we focus on individuals from the age of the church who have lived out their faith in a unique or interesting way. These are people who are giants in the history of Christendom, and each has earned a spot in my personal Christian Hall of Fame. Before I get into today's episode, I want to make a recommendation that might interest some of you. As I record this, I'm watching through Francis Schaeffer's excellent 10-part video series, How Should We Then Live, on Amazon Prime Video. Francis Schaeffer, if you aren't already aware, was a 20th century American theologian and pastor, and we'll be covering him on an upcoming episode. In How Should We Then Live, he walks through history from the early church to the modern age and discusses how Christians influenced and were influenced by each era, with the goal of demonstrating the superiority of the Christian biblical worldview over those based on humanism. It's an easy watch, so if you have access to Amazon Prime, I recommend you check it out. So back to today's episode, we're going to focus on the man that is considered the father of the Congregationalist Church, as well as the father of the Pilgrims, and the grandfather of the United States, Robert Brown. Robert Brown is also known as Trouble Church Brown, and he's famous for being the first to set up a separatist church in England after the establishment of the Church of England. Now, while he may not be personally and individually a great hero of the church, The movements that he started and he set off definitely validate landing him a spot in this series. Robert Brown was born in the 1550s, some sources guess 1550, while others prefer 1555, but none are certain. He was born in Little Casterton, England, to parents Anthony and Dorothy Brown. Robert was one of seven siblings and came from a very wealthy family. Not much else is known of Brown's childhood, But in 1570, he headed off to Cambridge University to study at Corpus Christi College. There he met and became friends with fellow student Robert Harrison, who will feature in this narrative shortly. Brown graduated in 1572 or 1573. After leaving Cambridge, he went to the London area, where he worked as a lecturer-slash-preacher and sometimes as a schoolmaster. It was during this period that Brown began to develop a disdain for the C of E and its structures, particularly the Puritan movement inside the Church of England. The Puritans of the time wanted to purify the C of E from any residual Roman Catholic practices. Brown was not afraid to openly criticize the church and its bishops from the pulpit, which didn't do much for his popularity. What Brown was beginning to think was that the church shouldn't have any centralized authority that tells local churches who to hire and how to act. You can imagine that this would not make the Church of England power structure very happy. In 1578, Brown had returned to Cambridge to complete his studies and to button up all that he needed to do in order to be ordained. Once that was accomplished, he was offered the position of lecturer at St. Bennet's Church near Cambridge. He didn't last long there, however. He was becoming firmly anti-Puritan, and he began to explore options for preaching and teaching outside of the legal national church. In 1579, Brown's brother secured preaching licenses for the two of them from the local bishop in Cambridge in order to allow Brown to legally preach. But Brown refused to accept the license and instead burned his in protest of its necessity. 
Brown continued his criticisms of the church, and eventually that landed him in jail. Fortunately for him, his family was wealthy and well-connected. His family included wealthy merchants, as well as politicians and administrators, as well as the powerful William Cecil, Baron Burgley. Cecil was the advisor to Queen Elizabeth I, and worked to unify the British Isles. He was the one that actually convinced the Queen to execute Mary, Queen of Scots. So you can see that he had some power and influence. And with connections like that, Brown was quickly freed from jail. After suffering from, and recovering from, a bout of plague, Brown traveled to Norwich in 1581 to visit his old college friend Robert Harrison. Harrison had, like Brown, been a schoolmaster and, like Brown, had become increasingly disenamored with the Church of England. Brown lived with Harrison for a while, and while in Norwich, began to take an interest in the Anabaptist beliefs of the Dutch craftsmen population there. He took to preaching, and with Harrison, set up his own church outside the bounds of the Church of England. His separatist congregation was set up in such a way that the membership had control of the church. They elected the pastor, which was Brown, and there was to be no centralized controlling agency. Brown was said to be a fine preacher, and he began to draw the Dutch and others to hear him. This ticked off the local Puritans, which led to Brown's arrest again. But as before, his family secured his release. The persecution that Brown and his church faced persuaded them to move to Zealand and the Netherlands to establish themselves there. In 1582, from the Netherlands, Brown published his most influential work, a treatise for reformation without tarrying for any. In it, Brown acknowledged the rights of civil governments to rule over their citizens, but only in civil affairs. Church members were to submit to the authority of their governors, but at the same time, he believed the civil government had no authority in the realm of the church. The Lord's kingdom is not by force, he wrote, neither by an army or strength, as are the kingdoms of the world. The government had not right to, as he wrote, compel religion to plant churches by power and to force a submission to ecclesiastical governments by laws and penalties. His ideas led to him being coined Trouble Church Brown by his opponents. He also asserted that churches should have local governance. Churches were to be institutions of people that have come together to live under the authority of Christ as given in his word and affirmed by his spirit. Earthly authorities were to have no say in who led the churches. Pastors were given authority by God, and they were appointed by the, quote, due consent and agreement of the church, according to the number of the most which agree. Brown said that Christianity is a, quote, matter of private conscience rather than public order, that the church is a fellowship of believers rather than an army of pressed men. He was laying the groundwork for the Congregationalist movement that was shortly to come. Unfortunately, Brown and Harrison had a falling out, and Brown was voted out of leadership. He went to Scotland with a few followers, but before he could fully establish a church there, he was arrested again. After he got out of jail, he traveled around Scotland looking for converts, but he had little luck. So Brown returned to England, and he began preaching there. He was eventually excommunicated by the Church of England for his unlicensed preaching. This must have shaken him badly, because with the help of his familial connections, he came to an agreement with the church. What he agreed to do was follow the church's rules, attend services regularly, 
and publicly recant his views, which he did. In exchange, he would be restored to communion. Brown obeyed, and in 1586, he was given a headmaster's position at a school. This sorely disappointed Brown's friends, and in truth, reading about it disappointed me too. But his recanting came too late. Brown and his writings had already lit a fire which would grow into the Congregationalist movement. Separatist churches began springing up in England. In 1593, the three leaders of the movement that succeeded Brown, Henry Barrow, John Greenwood, and John Penry, were all executed by the British government. A law was passed forcing everyone over 16 to regularly attend C of E services. Failure to comply would result in up to a month of jail time. As a result, the separatists that we know as the Pilgrims left England for Holland and eventually ended up in Plymouth Colony in the New World in 1620. Back in England, the movement grew and perhaps peaked with Oliver Cromwell's protectorate, which resulted in the execution of the English king, Charles I, and civil war. Incidentally, did you know that Cromwell's body was dug up three years after his death so that he could be posthumously executed? His head was cut off and displayed on a pike before being sold and held in private ownership until it was finally reburied in 1960. Anyway, Brown's ideas led many future churches and denominations to follow self-governance principles. In fact, his doctrine of the separation of church and state is well known to my American listeners, even if we're unaware of its origins. Brown may have been ultimately a coward who caved to the religious and civil authorities of his day, but he started a movement that has had enormous impact on the world we live in today. If not for him, the movement toward independent churches would have been delayed at least, and there would have been no Plymouth colony in the Americas populated by the pilgrims, and who can fathom what historical changes that might have led to? Brown may not have been a great man in the end, but his impact is outsized and definitely merits him inclusion in this podcast. Now this wraps up another episode of Giants of the Faith. I hope you've enjoyed it, and I hope that you, as I did when researching this episode, learned something new. If you have any comments or corrections, please send them along to podcast at giantsofthefaith.com. I'd be very happy to hear what you think of the show. Until next time, God bless. 